Okay, good. Thank you, Kristen. Hey, wasn't that a great time of worship? All right. I want to say thanks to Brad and the team uh, just for having that, giving us that time, all focused on the love of God, which is a wonderful thing. And uh, good, to, good to be back with you. If you're visiting, my name is Rock Bottomley. I'm the, uh, officially I'm kind of the pastor emeritus. And uh, what does that mean? It means I used to be the pastor, I'm retired, but I'm still here and part of the body and uh, help out whenever I can. And so that's me, A.T. and his family on vacation. They'll be back uh, in a few weeks, but it's a delight to be back with you. And uh, so good to be here. This is the uh, second Second in a series of messages on God's good news. We started last week, if you'll remember. And uh, God's good news is just, it's the message from God that brings great relief uh, to us, great comfort, great joy to us if we understand it and respond. It's the, it's the message of how if we turn from doing life our own way and we follow his son Jesus... God will rescue us from the deadness and the brokenness of our lives away from him. And he'll give us new life, new life with him. And uh, life that lasts forever, it's now and forever. And uh, it's, it's wonderful news. It's, it's, and we saw last week, it's the most important message, if you will, that's, that's ever been delivered in the realm of words and ideas. Uh, no words and no ideas have brought greater change and greater relief and greater joy to human beings and to communities than the message of God's good news. It's the most important message ever delivered. And you see this biblically. You see it biblically. Uh, you see this is the central purpose of the life of Jesus was to go village to village, town to town, person to person to deliver this message. And Jesus was talking about it. He said about this message, that is why I've come. It's to speak these words. It's to get this across. It's to communicate this message. And historically, uh, this message, the good news of God, has brought new life and, and new hope and new freedom. Freedom from, from, from the, the, the power of, of sin and freedom from the fear of death and, and freedom and, and hope to hundreds of millions of people all over the world. And God will do the same for you if you listen and you get it. And personally, it talks, uh, the Bible talks about the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of this message because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It's God's way of rescuing us from the brokenness of our life and giving us eternal life and abundant life here and now. It's the power of God to rescue you. It's through this message God reaches his hand down to you and, and makes it so you can reach up and grab that hand and you can have new life through him. And uh, so that's what we're talking about is God's good news. And uh, we started by reading a passage of scripture that kind of focuses this. And uh, I want us to stand and read this again together. So stand up, will you, and say these words after me. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. 
The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. These are the very words of God. Go ahead and sit down. That's it. This is the passage that we're looking at. And uh, last week we began by looking at the message itself. We began by seeing what it meant. Uh, what is it that God, what is it that Jesus would go about all through Galilee saying? What specifically would he say? What was, what was the content of it? And, uh, and we looked at it in Hebrew. We looked at these words. These are words that were loaded with meaning for first century Jews. And, and when Jesus would speak these words about the time and the kingdom of God and repent and believe, uh, they understood exactly what he meant. And then we looked at it in, in, in plain American Right? In words that you and I can understand. And we said, this is the message. This is the good news. This is the gospel that Jesus came. And I want you to say these words after me. God loves us. And although we've left him to do our own thing, he'll save us from the deadness of life without him and give us new life with him, better and forever. Through his son Jesus, if we turn and follow him. There it is. That's the message that Jesus would deliver. Synagogue to synagogue, person to person. That is why he came, to deliver that message. First to the people of Israel and then to create a people who would take that message to the ends of the earth until you get to hear it and have an opportunity to respond. This is the good news. And remember last time we drew, us, we drew some pictures so you could, you could visualize it of three circles and two arrows, one leaving God and one coming back through Jesus. And this morning I want to do something a little bit different. I want to have, uh, I want, I'm asking Ashley Hartman to come and give you another way of understanding, seeing, and communicating the gospel. Come on up, Ashley. Ashley has been, uh, last year she was at uh, Youth with a Mission, their discipleship training school. In Hawaii, the first semester, she was a student there and uh, uh, was there and went on mission to Uganda. Next semester, which would have been this last winter, she was a, on staff with YWAM, and she was a leader, led the team on, what was it, three months, two months? How long were you? Two months in Manila, and uh, she's going back in the fall, and she'll be leading again and uh, leading a group to Peru. But anyway, wherever they go... This is what they do. They, did, they do what Jesus did. They, they both demonstrate the kindness of God. They demonstrate the power of God. But the whole idea is to communicate this message to people who have never heard. So I've just asked Ashley to kind of share with us how they communicate the gospel when they go. Ashley, it's all yours. Thank you so much. Um, this is such an honor for me to stand on a stage with Uncle Rock. Uh, I remember being like two and Uncle Rock lifting me up and taking me on airplane rides and all that around his living room and so this is such an honor and such a big part of my foundation. Um, so I have a really short amount of time with you guys today and I'm gonna, he's asked me to present the gospel to you guys the way that I've learned to do it with a tool I've learned called the five finger gospel. So I'm gonna present the gospel the way that the five finger gospel helps me to present it and then I'm gonna teach you guys the five finger gospel. So Bear with me. We're going to try and do this as fast as we can and get as much packed in as we can. So, um, like you said, my name is Ashley, um, and I am a Christian, and my life has been changed by my relationship that I've found with Jesus. 
And I really believe that a relationship with Jesus, that's what it's all about. That's what Christianity is all about to me. And when we actually look at it from the beginning of time, when God created the heavens and the earth, and he created the animals and the birds, um, he created all of those things, and he said that they were good. But when he created us humans, he said that we were very good. He said that you guys were very, very good. Because he created humans to be able to have a relationship with him. He created us to be able to walk with him. And it actually says that he created us in his image. He created us with, with his like eyes and his mouth and his fingers and toes just like him. And I just want you guys to picture if you guys had a kid. A lot of you guys have kids. But if you guys have a kid that looks like you, it has your eyes, it has your smile. And you love that thing more than anything. You want it to be with you forever, right? You guys love that kid with an uncontainable, reckless love, right? So that's how Jesus and that's how God feels about us. And he created us for relationship with him. But then when sin entered the world, it caused us to be separated from him. Um, sin, most simply put, is just a mis- is when we mess up, a mistake. And it causes us to be separated from God purely for the fact that he's so good and he is so holy It says that he's the light of the world. He is light. And darkness and light can't come together, right? So if if you're in a dark room and you turn a light on, that room is light. Now, it has light in it, right? So darkness and light, they can't co-abide. They don't go together. So God can't be when our, our sin completely separates us from God. But he doesn't hate our sin. He doesn't, he doesn't hate us because of that. He hates our sin. I want you guys to imagine if you have that kid that looks like you, that you love so much, that you want to have relationship with, if that kid was to be kidnapped from you or if it was to be attacked by a pit bull, how ridiculous would it sound if you said, oh, I hate my child because they were attacked by a pit bull. Oh, I hate my child because they were kidnapped and taken away from me. It's, that sounds silly, right? And so we're, we say, and we know that God doesn't hate us, but he hates the things that separate us from him. And when we choose to walk in sin, we're choosing to be separated from him. But he loves us and he wants us back. And um, it actually makes him so sad because the actual eternal reality of separation from God is called hell. That's what hell is, is being separated from God for all eternity. And God is the embodiment of all goodness, all life, all love, all joy, all hope, peace. All of that is what God embodies. And so when we're separated from him, we're separated from everything that he is. But that's not the end of the story. The separation is not the end of the story. It's actually the reason that God sent Jesus, because he wanted to get us back. And just like a husband would do anything that he could to get his bride back if she was taken from him, That's what God did for us as he chased after us. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, down to earth to come and live as a man. And he lived as the perfect man. He's the only person that never messed up. He didn't make a single mistake. It sounds crazy because I know I've made a lot of mistakes. All of us have messed up, but Jesus never messed up. He never made a single mistake, and yet he died a sinner's death to pay the price and be the once and for all sacrifice for us to bridge the gap and make a way for us, even though we are sinners, he bridged the gap and made a way for us to be back with the Father in relationship. And so now, because of that, we have the promise of God that when we invite Jesus into our hearts and we have a relationship with God that he paid the price to make a way for, 
when we have that relationship with him, we get to have the fullness of life. When we walk in the relationship with God that we were created to have, we will find fulfillment. We'll find he will fill the holes in our hearts. He will bring us peace and joy and love and hope that surpasses all understanding because that can only be found in relationship with Jesus. And that relationship with Jesus has completely changed my life. And he can change your life like that today too if you want. So that was the gospel. Uh, I tried to breeze through it. Um, and I just, I hope that that, to you guys, I know it, the first time I heard someone preach the gospel and then say, okay, I'm going to teach you how to do it. I'm going to teach you how to preach it. It seemed so overwhelming and so big and scary. And I was like, I will never be able to put it into words. Oh my goodness, how do I do this? But I want to just teach you guys a tool. The five-finger tool is something that um, me and some of my friends have formulated out um, YWAM, and we have found that it's a really easy way and really simple way to help remember and help trigger just the right structure and um, just a way, not the right, there's a billion different ways to preach the gospel. This is just one tool to have in your tool belt. Um, so can everybody put their hand out? We're going to be interactive today. So we're, everyone put up a big thumbs up. Okay, so this is our first thing. So when I think of a thumbs up, I think of a green thumb. I think of a thumbs up, good job, and I think of a like on Facebook. Okay, so when we put our thumb up, we're going to remember that God created the universe, that he created everything, and he created us and his image for relationship with him, okay, and that he not only likes us, but he loves us. He loves us like a father loves their child, okay, so then everyone, have you guys seen any parents doing this? Have you guys ever done this to your children? Any, any of you guys know what this means? This means, uh-oh somebody's made a mistake, tsk, tsk, kick, okay, right? So we're going to remember that, after, that our sin, we all have messed up. Our sin has separated us from God, okay? So thumbs up, creation, God created us in his image for relationship with him. He not only likes us, he loves us, tsk, tsk. We've all messed up, we've all fallen short, and it causes us to be separated from him and then, you guys know the bad finger? Let's not put it up. But you guys know the bad finger? Okay, so when we think of the bad finger, we're going to think of the bad place. Because actually our sin causes us to be separated from God. And when we choose to walk in our sin, it causes the result is eternal separation from God. And that's actually what we all deserve. And that's the reason that we need our ring fingers. Everybody knows your ring finger. If you've got a pretty ring on, ladies, show it off. Um, just like a husband would chase after his bride. That's what Jesus did for us. He came and he chased after us. He didn't want us to be separated. It broke his heart that we were separated from him. And he came to get us back, to make a way for us to be back with him. So we were going to think of our ring finger. And then how many of you guys know any six-year-olds? Do you guys know any six-year-olds? You guys know that if you know a six-year-old, you know that the pinky promise is the most real deal, legit promise you could make, right? So through Jesus, through what he did on the cross for us, we have the pinky promise from God of eternal life, of life to the fullest in a relationship with God. And so also, if you know a six-year-old, you know that it's pretty simple to make that pinky promise. And just like that, it's the simple gospel. God made it so simple for us to walk into the fullness of what he has for us, into that relationship that he created us for. And all we have to do is 
believe in our hearts, confess with our mouth, and invite Jesus into our hearts to come and live in relationship with us. Right? And so that's our five-finger gospel. And so I think our next slide has all of them on it. Okay, so quick review. Green thumb. Thumbs up. Green thumb. Thumbs up. Good job. God created us in his image for relationship with him. He loves us. He longs to be in relationship with us. And he doesn't, he doesn't just like us, guys. He loves us. Tisk tisk, we've all messed up. Our sin causes us to be separated from God, but he doesn't, he doesn't hate us. He still longs for relationship with us. It doesn't, our sin doesn't cause him to turn his back on us. It causes him to reach out to us, right? The bad finger, bad place. If, if we continue to walk in our sin without walking into relationship with God, we will be eternally separated from God and all that he embodies. But that's not the end of the story because we have the ring finger, which is the promise of redemption through Jesus. And we have, just like a husband would chase after his bride, Jesus chased after us. He came and he died on the cross to pay the ultimate price. And through that, we get the pinky promise of eternal life and, life, life of, and a life of abundance through relationship with Jesus. Okay? So, now, I'm going to have everybody stand up and find a partner. Find somebody sitting next to you. And this, um, this blue paper, if you guys look, there's a blue or a white paper in the pews. This has the five finger typed out for you guys if you want to remember it. Um, I typed this out for y'all. And, um, yeah, if you guys want to take this, it's a great tool to help you go over it, remember it, and everything. And so we're going to find a partner. The tallest one in the group is going to be the first one to share. Okay? So we're going to do it really quickly. Um, I'm going to have you guys share. We'll have the first person share, and then we'll have the second person share. But before we do that, I just want to pray over you guys um, before we share. Um, because I know... I haven't been doing this for very long, and I know that I still, it's still, it, you get nervous when you say it, and talking to a stranger, some of you guys are with people that you're very close to, but some of you guys are doing this with a stranger, and when you guys go out, you're going to do it with a stranger, hopefully, or you guys are going to have friends that you guys have on your heart, um, but it's a scary thing, and it's nerve-wracking, so I'm just going to pray that the Lord would bring peace to our hearts, and that the Lord would come and um, just give us the right words, so... Heavenly Father, we thank you for your good news. Jesus, we thank you for what you did for us, Jesus. We thank you for how much you love us, God. For the way that even though we don't deserve it, you paid the ultimate price just to be back in relationship with us. God, we thank you that relationship with us is your greatest desire. God, we thank you that you created us. The original design of the universe was that man and woman would walk in perfect relationship with you. So Jesus, we just ask that you would come right now and bring peace to our hearts. That you would put boldness in us, encourage in us, God, to go and share your good news because there's sons and daughters of yours that don't know you and don't have a relationship with you, that are feeling empty in their hearts, God, because they don't, and they don't know that the thing that would fill it is relationship with you, Jesus. So God, I just ask right now that boldness would come and fill this church body right now. God, I ask that you would bring people to mind that need to hear this good news. 
Holy Spirit, would you just come and would you let evangelists rise up? God, would you let us um, evangelism not be a scary thing, God, but would it be the most exciting adventure that you have for us? Would you just come and fill us with just a desire to go and share your good news? So yes, Jesus, we just ask that you would just give us the words. Thank you, Jesus, that you care more about people knowing your good news than we ever even could. And we just ask that you would take off any pressure and that you would let this be a fun adventure with you. Okay, amen. So, tallest person, we're going to have you guys... Okay, wow. Thank you guys for participating and for having fun doing that with me. Um, I just want to thank you guys for just listening and um, <laughs> thank you. So I want to encourage you guys to take these home with you guys. Put them on your fridge, read them. Um, if you guys have little kids, I have taught the Five Finger Gospel to a lot of little kids and it's crazy to see. I've seen five-year-olds and seven-year-olds walking around holding up their fingers saying, God created you, and you messed up. You know, it's just the cutest thing, but they eat it up, and they actually do, they actually do receive it, and they are so excited to go and tell people about Jesus and tell people at their schools. And um, So I just want to encourage you guys to step out with this. And, um, yeah, I put on this paper, I, I put my email and my phone number on this paper because if you guys have any questions um, about any of it, I would love to talk with you guys. Um, but I also would love to hear testimonies um, because I really do believe that God has um, a lot of hearts that are ready to receive Jesus here in Oklahoma. Um, I really feel like there is a wave of evangelism and there is a um, movement coming here to Oklahoma and that God is on the move and that there are people that are desperate for Jesus and that know that they have holes in their hearts, but don't, don't realize that Jesus is the thing that can fill it. So I just want to encourage you guys that the time is now. Take this, learn it, and go and do it. And please come and tell me how it ha like what happens. Um, I would love, I'll be here next week. Please come find me. Tell me, even if, you, even if it's not a success story, I want to hear um, if you guys have stepped out and seen and shared the gospel with someone. And I want to celebrate with you and get so excited and I'll probably cry and be really excited. And um, so please go and do this stuff, guys. It's so fun and there's nothing, nothing more fun than t going on adventures and sharing God's love. Good. Thank you. All right. Yep. And uh, Ashley's going to be, she'll be leading the evangelism track, right, with a a group at the training center out in Hawaii and then taking a group this fall to Peru to share this message. Yeah. Okay, there you go. To, to share this. Listen, I, I, I asked Ashley to come do this because not only is it important that we hear the gospel ourselves. For, listen, I know in a group this size, there's some of you, I mean, you're far from God. You're away from God. You know it. And you want to know, how do I get back? And uh, the gospel, this good news, is how you get back. It's how you get drawn near to God. You, uh, you turn. 
You, you know, you talk to God and say, God, I, I know I've got myself in a bad situation by going my own way, and I turn, and from now on, I want to trust, and I want to follow your son, and um, I believe in him. I trust him to lead me, and this is the way you begin, and I feel passionate about this. The reason is I'm here today because somebody taught my college roommate to do what Ashley just taught you to do, and he had the courage and the faith and the sense of urgency to share that with me in our dorm room. And uh, that's what led me to Christ and allowed me to say, man, this is, I want God. I want God. I'm tired of doing life without him. And I understand what Jesus has done. And I, and I pray, God, I give my life to you and uh, got new life. So great to have you. Ashley. And uh, yeah, if you're looking for a good investment in the kingdom, at the bottom of the sheet there is a way that you can, you can give and support Ashley as she goes back to uh, training young missionaries uh, to go to all the earth. Good. Okay, in the time we have left, here's what I want to talk about. Um, hey, how do I get to the message thing on here? Anybody know? I've got my slides. Can you guys put them up there or something? They're up there? Okay, they're up there. They're not down here. Um, but anyway, let me just, I want to talk to you about what I call the dust of the gospel. Thanks, Brad, if you can get me there. The dust of the gospel. And what I'm talking about here is either the oversights or the misconceptions that swirl around the gospel and keep us as the people of God from really understanding the message uh, of the gospel. Uh, there's a lot that we do understand, but there are pieces of it that are commonly either not understood or not known, and it keeps us from really responding to God with the vigor that we should have. And so I just want to talk about where does the dust tend to cover what God has told us? And it tends to kind of dull our response, our ability to respond. And I want to just mention three of them in the time we have left. The first area where the dust kind of covers the truth uh, about the good news of God has to do with the love of God and, and the truth about the love of God. Now, the truth about the love of God um, is that it is both soft and it's strong. Now listen, the love of God is the most wonderful reality in all the universe. It is. It's what we sang about this morning. It is the most wonderful reality. It's the fact that God counts you precious. And because you're precious to him, he is willing to serve and to sacrifice to extreme ends to rescue and to do you good. It's unlike anything you experience on the earth. You don't get the love of God from anybody else. It only comes from him. It's an amazing thing. But there's both a soft side to it and there's a strong side to it. Now, if you think of the love of God, let me just pull this out. Just think of a star of David. And the star of David has, has six points. And as you look through the Bible, you realize that the love of God has six very prominent features to it. Four of them are soft. And by that, I mean they're warm. They're comforting. Uh, there's a, uh, yeah, they're just, you know, it's like being wrapped in a blanket. 
And in that sense, it's wonderful. And you see it. The, soft, the, the love of God, you can see it up here. It's compassionate. In other words, he loves you like a, a mother loves a newborn child. This is the attention, the affection, the singing over, the delight in. And it's true. That's the way God loves you. There's a mercy to it. This is the, this is the amazing thing about the love of God. He can hate our sin, as, as Ashley says. But he still loves us. He can be angry with us. He can be frustrated with us. Um, he, 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 all of that is true, and yet he still will go to extreme ends to save us and rescue us and do us good. It's the, the mercy of God. Jesus said all the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. I mean, that's pretty open, right? He says whatever you've done, listen, whatever you've done, God will forgive it. The thing that you think, oh, no, he can't forgive this. If anybody knew this, they, they wouldn't want me. God wants you. The only thing that God can't forgive is if it's called the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. If all your life you resist what the Holy Spirit is telling you about Jesus, that he died for you and he loves you and you can come back to God through him, if you reject that for all your life, there is no hope for you. But for everything else, there's forgiveness. It's a wonderful thing. There's the faithfulness of God. He always tells the truth. And he always keeps his promise. God is not a man, he says, that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? He's faithful. He always keeps his promises. Never lets you down. He's present. That means he's here. He watches. Says the Lord knows them that trust him. He knows, he sees, he watches, and he not only sees, but he's present. I never leave you or forsake you. Lo, I am with you always. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. He says, be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will help uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I'm in the box with you. I'm near. And I don't go away and I don't go to sleep. I'm always there. This is the soft side of the love of God. But there's two strong sides of the love of God. And I say this because we have done a wonderful job, and this is a wonderful thing, of accentuating and highlighting the soft side of the love of God. And by soft, I don't mean weak. You understand that. I just mean compassionate and gentle and, 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 and warm and, and, and comforting. We've done a wonderful job in the last 20, 25, 30 years of highlighting the soft side. It's what we sang about this morning. All of these blue things. We've not done as good a job on the strong side. And there's a strong side to the love of God. One of the strong sides is that he corrects us. When he senses we're moving in a dangerous direction. Just like you guys. All of you are parents. You understand this. When you see a kid, you know, who can't swim moving into the deep end. When you see a kid who doesn't understand playing out in the street chasing their ball, when you see a kid playing with matches or fiddling with a gas burner, when you see a kid, you know, on a high ledge putting his toes over the edge, if you're a parent, you say something, you do something, right? That's part of the love of somebody who loves you. He's trying to protect you from harming. Now listen, God is the same way. 
When we begin to do some things that are dangerous, that are either causing harm and damage to the people around us, or you're in great danger of distorting and dishonoring and doing deep damage to your own heart and mind and soul and conscience, he's going to say something. It's going to start with a gentle whisper. You know, hey, this isn't healthy. This flirting at the office... This watching, this stuff that takes your mind and heart in wrong directions. This pouring over pictures of other people's lives that make you envious and jealous. These constant words of being critical and controlling and, 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 and interfering and interrupting. This laziness at the office. This taking stuff that doesn't belong to you. This telling things that really aren't true but kind of make you more important in the eyes of people around you. He's going to start by whispering, and you'll sense it in your spirit. And then he's going to speak louder through your conscience, and there'll be a sense of shame and of danger. And then if that doesn't work, he's going to send people. Somebody's going to notice and have the courage to say something that this is unhealthy. Maybe it's a boss or a teacher or a coach or a parent. Or, or a brother or a sister, they'll say something. And if that doesn't get our attention, things begin to happen. We get caught, we get exposed, we get a ticket, we get reprimanded. We lose an opportunity, we get passed over at the office. Our wife catches us doing stuff on the phone that we shouldn't be doing. And if that doesn't get our attention, he ups it. It starts with what the Hebrews call scree. It's thorny stuff around the ankles. And if that doesn't get it, there's a hedge. It's like a sticky hollage. And if that doesn't get it, the lion bites. Now, why do I say this? Because our natural tendency, if we think just of the soft side of God, when these things begin to happen, we think of them as either bad luck or these people are being mean to me. We disregard the voice and we keep going. We don't realize this is God who loves us trying to turn us back before we go over the cliff and become a train wreck. Right? He says, be not like the mule. Like the horse without judgment, whose temper must be uh, uh, pulled with bit and bridle, else they'd come not near to you. Don't make me amp it up and whack you with a two-by-four. Now, this isn't being mean. God is just saying, listen when I whisper. So that the lions don't bite. I've lived long enough to have some bite marks, by the way, on my life. Some really painful bite marks. Because I didn't listen to the whisper. So this is one. The other is, is just the fact that God challenges us. Look, God is all these blue things. He is there's a warmth and there's a comfort and there's a gentleness and there's a sitting in his lap and there's a feeling his arms around it. That's true. But there's another side to the love of God. It's that correcting that we talk about. There's also a challenging. God wants to lift us. He wants to make us great people. 
He doesn't want us to be little children, I mean, as an immature. He wants to make us great human beings. And so God does orchestrate. He arranges. He brings into our lives times uh, that are scary, times that are difficult. It's the hard things that require great patience and great forgiveness and great courage and great perseverance. He orchestrates those. Why? Because he wants to build great people who reflect his love, his character. And he wants to give you a life that is worthy of high honor. You read the book of 1 Peter. I mean, Peter was writing to believers. You need to know that being a follower of Jesus in the early centuries was not, it was not a safe thing. It was a dangerous thing. It was a frightening thing. What they did to people who were following of Jesus is beyond description. And Peter would write to these people. He said, uh, he talked about them going through uh, fiery trials, difficult things. It says, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness. There's a hardness to life. You're in heaviness through manifold temptations. It's just the King James way. There's some difficult things. Difficulties. I mean painful things. Painful things in your marriage. Painful things with a, with a child. Painful things at work. Painful things in the church. Painful things with friends. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, so now for a season, if need be, and it needs be, for God to do what he wants to do in your life, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, many things that are very difficult, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, might be found, listen, unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. God deliberately leads us into situations that stretch us to the max so that we can become bigger and be worthy of him saying, well done. That's part of the love of God. I remember when uh, uh, raising our, 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 our kids were younger. Josh, our oldest, was about 10, and Zach, our youngest, was about 4. And my parents' dad retired to this, uh, this beautiful horse ranch in the redwoods, big high redwoods. They looked like this dark German woods. It was beautiful because you had these huge, you know, 100-foot-tall redwood trees just stacked in there. And, and so it was kind of this dark fairyland kind of kind of uh, uh, woods. And I remember having, I had the four little kids and we were up away from the ranch house and we were coming back to the ranch house and we came to this fork in the road and one of the forks went down into this little ravine. It was kind of dark and, and a little bit scary down there. The other one went kind of along the little ridge. And so I remember, now, so I remember as, as, as a dad, I said, now this is, this is an opportunity. So I turned to Josh and said, Josh, I want you to take your three little brothers and sisters. I want you to go down this path. If you go down this path into those dark woods, uh, you'll pass a little pond and you'll go a little ways and, and eventually you'll come out at the ranch house. And, uh, and then I made up some story. I, I lied or something. said, I need to go back and get something, so I want you to lead the other three down that path. And so... 
And this is what I wanted to see. I wanted to see, what would Josh do? Is he going to take care of them? How is he going to deal with them? And how would they do? Would they take care of each other? Would they turn on each other and eat each other along the way? And uh, so I did. Off they went. Oh, he, you know, he had them. So you see these four little hobbits, right? I don't know if you remember going down through the deep, dark woods. Now, what I was doing is I took the upper path, and I was watching them all the time. I could see them all the time. They didn't see me, but I could see them. And oh, they were, you know, they were talking about how scary it was and how they wanted to go back. And there was some whimpering and some whining and, and that kind of thing, which you, you'd expect. But Josh did a wonderful job. He did a wonderful job. He said, now, Dad said, we're gonna, it's okay. We're going to be all right. There's nothing scary down here. We're going to pass this pond. Oh, here's the pond. See, it's going to be all right. Anyway, you got the idea. He, he did a wonderful job. And gradually, they did a wonderful job with each other. And they came out the other end, and I was with them at the other end of the path. And I told him, I said, Josh, you did a great job. That was scary down there. You took care of Bethany. You took care of Bo. You, you, kept, you kept them together. They started whining. You comforted them, you know. You did great. Way to go. And I told each of them, I said, hey, you guys did well. You, nobody turned back. You stayed together. It's a wonderful time. Now listen, I'll tell you, in every one of your lives, most of you right now are somewhere on that path in that ravine. God is near. He's not going to ruin you. This thing's not going to destroy you. It may scare you. It may stretch you. But this is your opportunity. I say this because as Christians, one of the things that's most common is when God stretches, when he challenges, we get angry, we feel abandoned, we don't connect it with the goodness and kindness of God. And often we give up. We give up. And we, we don't realize that this time down in the valley, this is our opportunity for greatness. Bev and I teach marriage. We teach marriage. We have, uh, oop, I can't go there. Um, but we do. We teach marriage. We say, look, every marriage goes through a time from, from, from when they're ecstatic and when they're first married and it's honeymoon. And, and, and every marriage goes through a dip. Where it becomes difficult and you discover things about yourself and about your mate you didn't know before you got married and you wonder, gee, if I'd known this before I got married, I'm not sure I'd have done it. Every marriage goes here. Now here three things happen. A chunk of them, it, they divorce, they split. A chunk of them, it goes dead. They just said, you know, well, I'm just going to live with this. There's no way to fix it. We don't want to split up because of the kids, but we'll just kind of live parallel lives in our home. And then there's some who recognize there's a call for changes in me and in us. And we repent. And we make the changes. And that thrives. It comes up like this. Right? Listen, God has designed marriage to go like this. He's designed it that way. Why? 
Because this is where we find, this is where we express, where we get to show the, the, the character of God. This is where we get to be great in our patience, in our forgiveness. We get to forgive the affair. We get to be patient with, with tendencies that people have that are hard to change. We're compassionate with brokenness in our, in our mates that have come from, from woundings of the past. It's where we're courageous at times to confront things that need to change. We confront addictions. We, con we confront unhealthy patterns and say, look, adult to adult, this has got to stop. It's killing you. It's killing our family. This is where it's fun. This is where we're great. And when we deal with it, it turns it around and we find God at the end of the trail saying, well done. Well done. By the way, this doesn't just, this doesn't just apply to marriage. It applies to every area of life. This is what happens to friendships. This is what happens at work. This is what happens at church. Right? This is what happens even with me. Start out thinking I'm the world's greatest, and boy, by the time I'm here, I realize I need help. This is the whole of life. Why? Because the love of God is soft. It is soft and wonderful. It's like a warm blanket on a cold night. But it's also strong. It wants to save you and rescue you from things that are dangerous. It's whispering. It's talking through conscience. It brings people. It brings some soft, gentle consequences and gradually it ratchets it up. Why? Not because God is mean. He is trying to keep you from the bottom of the cliff. And then there's a challenging part. Part of the love of God is he wants to make you a great human being with a great life. And that doesn't mean a big impact. It means in the secret, quiet places that only he and you and the people closest to you see, you demonstrate the greatness and the kindness of the love of God for the people around you. That's part of the dust of the gospel. Covers the love of God. Well, this morning, our, our time is up. And uh, I just want us to be quiet just a minute. I'm going to be quiet. I'm the one making the noise, so let me be quiet. just want you to be quiet and say, Lord, would you show me where are you correcting? Because you love me. Just ask him, Lord, where are you correcting? Where are you speaking to me? Trying to rescue me. Just listen. Just listen. You don't have to make anything up here. Just listen. If the Lord's been speaking. He'll speak. 
And then just ask, Lord, where, where are you challenging me? Where are you giving me an opportunity to be great? Just take some time to respond. Thank him and engage. Connie, you want to come on up just a minute here? We have a group of people that uh, pray before each service and they ask the Lord to show us really what he wants to do and who he wants us to minister to and Connie's in that group and so Connie, just share with us what you heard this morning. So one of the things we heard goes along with what we were just talking about, which is that we can often let the things that God is working on in us separate us from him. So we think we deal with X, Y, or Z first, and then we go to God. And he's saying, no, come to me first, and then we will look at X, Y, and Z together. And Becky Hartman had this wonderful picture of when our gaze shifts from Jesus to all this stuff, the stuff that's challenging or correcting or that's troublesome or difficult. Jesus is taking our faces and he's turning them and saying, no, look at me. I'm right here with you in this. So that's our call, is in all this, come to Jesus and look at all this face-to-face -face with him, not apart from him. And we really felt like he was saying, I want you to experience my goodness. Psalm 27 says, I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. He wants to show you his goodness this morning in the land of the living, even if it's in the middle of correction or challenge. Great. Thank you. Yeah, so that's you. You're going through one of these times we talked about. Man, you just need to see the face of God. Uh, or you just need to be reminded that you'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you come down and we'll pray for you. So let's stand up if you would. Ministry team, if you'd come down and just kind of kind of stretch yourselves across the front here so people can see. Um, I think the other thing, you know, if you're away from God and you know it, you want to get back and you want to enjoy the experience of his love and his nearness, we'd love to pray for you. So any of those things that Connie mentioned um, or just the desire to reconnect with God, we'd love to pray for you. The rest of us uh, we'll have communion, by the way, over here. Uh, somebody's going to be serving communion over here. And if you'd like to enjoy that, you can. And uh, if we can pray for you, we'd love to have you come down. And if you do have children in the nursery, if one of you would slip out the back and go rescue the child workers, uh, that would be wonderful. The rest of us, let's just worship and, and uh, move to communion, move down here to prayer. We'll be finished. <clears throat>